Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Sarah Fenske. There's a growing consensus in the U.S. that cash bail is a problem. Here's how it works. In cities like St. Louis, you might wait months or even years after being charged with a crime to get your day in court. During that time, you can only leave jail if you can come up with enough money to prove to the judge that you'd come back for trial. That's called posting bail. You're supposed to get the money back after trial. But many poor defendants just don't have the resources to cover the court-ordered amount. So they wait in jail for days, months, even years, despite not being found guilty of a crime. And that's even while wealthier defendants are freed in a day or two tops. The lack of fairness in that system has drawn major attention in recent years, and courts have increasingly explored alternatives like electronic monitoring. The St. Louis City Circuit Court contracts with a St. Charles-based company called EMAS. That's an acronym for Eastern Missouri Alternative Sentencing Services. Defendants who use EMAS can live at home while they wait for trial. They just have to wear an ankle bracelet or regularly check in. number of different conditions there. But to some critics, the devil is in the details. And here to explain some of those concerns about EMAS is Mike Milton. He's the, he's the St. Louis site manager for the Bail Project. That's a national nonprofit organization working to reform the criminal justice system. So, Mike, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So services like EMAS, they sound like a win-win. People facing criminal charges get to stay out of jail while they mm-hmm. wait for their trial. Mm-hmm. And the city saves money. It doesn't have to, to keep them in jail. Mm-hmm. What's the catch? Yeah, there's several catches. Uh, Actually, I would say EMAS is a lose-lose, right? Well, we're in a space where now we're um, across the country trying to fight this cash bill system because of the the disparities that are attached to them. But they're they're responding to this as with electronic monitoring as an alternative to this cash bail system, and really it's just another form of incarceration. What's happening is that, um, especially with our clients and what we've seen, is that so many people are getting released um, because of the bills that we paid, but they have at this 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 monetary condition with this EMAS system, where they have to pay the fifty dollar installation fee at immediately after they get out, plus the first months. So that's three hundred and fifty dollars if they're on GPS um, GPS monitoring, which is absolutely insane, right? We've had several clients tell us like, "Can you post the bill so that I can afford the EMAS payment?" Because I can't afford both, right? And so there's this, although we know cash bail is inequitable, I fear that what's replacing cash bail is even more inequitable. And then there's the dehumanizing uh, aspect of this, right? Like, imagine having to plug yourself into a wall in front of your child every morning to to charge this device, right? -hmm. Imagine the fact that if you don't pay that $300 a month for that GPS monitoring, then you get recycled right, but you get a warrant for a failure to comply. So this isn't just something where you have to pay up. They could send you right back to jail? Absolutely. Yes, a condition of your bond. So if they don't pay that money, then they, you get a failure to comply with the conditions of your bond, and they reissue a warrant for your arrest, and then you're right back into the system. And so that's exactly what, you know, we have monetized incentives uh, or peop, uh, bail bondsmen, probation officers that's trying to cash in on this movement ar- uh, against cash bail because they know the monetary uh, benefits of it. You're talking about startup costs can be about $350 a month. Mm-hmm. And then what's the monthly fee going forward? Yeah, so it's $300 a month. Oh, um, it's $10 okay. a day. Um, so 
in the same way that you have a car note or a loan or any of these things, you have to pay this. This this um, is ten dollars a day, so it's three hundred dollars a month. So that does add up. Absolutely, one hundred percent. I imagine for a wealthier defendant, that's a drop in the bucket. One hundred percent. For people who are are living paycheck to paycheck, yep. there's not three hundred dollars. Exactly. Around. So it's still based on wealth in a lot of ways. What the defendants get to continue on with their lives. People who cannot afford this email payment, they get right back cycled into the system. But that has devastating impacts and human impacts of that. That you could continue, you can continuously lose jobs. You can continuously lose. If you lose jobs, you lose health benefits. There's several problems with this issue. We have actually a person here today who was assigned EMAS, and she's going to tell us a bit about her experience. And that's Jocelyn Garner. Uh, she's a St. Louis resident who found herself facing first-degree assault charges. This was back in March of 2018. Jocelyn, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. So I understand this charge ended up kind of leading to a nightmare for you. Yes. What happened after you? ended up um, getting arrested for this? Well, initially they sent me with the highest bail I think ever for someone in my, you know, condition. Um, How high? I started, it was $100,000 cash. Mm -hmm. Now this is after they give you the little questionnaire about where you work and how much you make and how much your assets do, that, that, that you have and all this stuff. Where, from being a bartender and a waitress, do you think I can come up with $100,000 mm -hmm. cash? Only. That's a lot now, of money. My, right. And from my understanding, cash only, you don't get that money back. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But it didn't matter because I didn't have it anyway. <laughs> you know what I mean? So did you end up then doing some time in, in jail? Oh, yes, definitely, definitely, definitely. So I ended up in there for about six months. And then finally we got a, a reduction after, you know, a couple of court appearances and stuff like that. And thank God for, you know, Mike Milton and the Bell Project, they were able to come through and pay that bond. But, I mean, like he said, you know, it's still kind of a lose-lose because when I got the bond, it was with the condition that I took the email. Mm. Okay, now that's something that I didn't know until after we posted, until after I made bail. Mm -hmm. So I had to show up the next day with $350. Now, mind you, I'm coming off a six-month incarceration. I didn't have no job. You've been stuck in there for six months. You, you lose your job at that point. Exactly. You lost, you, I lost jobs, housing, you know, my family, everything in six months. Where am I going to get $350? So what did you do? Well... I cried <laughs> and I begged and I pleaded to the lady and I, you know, she's no longer there anymore. You know, I'm glad I can say this so that way, you know, it's not to get her in trouble. But, you know, I begged this lady. I told this lady, I was like, ma'am, I just came off of a six month stint with nothing. Yeah. You know, I'm like, if 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 I have to pay this three hundred fifty dollars, you know, I'm going right back to jail. Mm -hmm. This is not fair. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. so I bet. And plus, I was homeless at the time. So where was I going to be? Where was we going to put the monitor at to, you know, mm -hmm. to monitor me? So she went ahead and cut me a little slack and told me that I had to pay thirty dollars. OK, thirty dollars every month. Now, I know that seems like it's nothing. But when you're coming from nothing, thirty dollars, you may as well should have been asking for a thousand dollars a month mm -hmm. for someone who has no source of income. Because I didn't have that. And I got behind on that. And it's scary because just like he said, that is like a condition of your bond and you're failing to comply when you don't pay this. Mm -hmm. You know, and once again, the Bell Project is awesome, is a is a is a is an awesome thing. Mike Milton is an awesome person. They stepped up and helped me pay for that because mm -hmm. I was on my way back. Mm 
Mm-hmm. You know, and my thing of it is, is how do you expect me to come up with this money? And I'm coming off of a six month stint. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that goes for, you know, other people that actually that that didn't get this pass, that didn't get this blessing. Mm-hmm. You know, that's pushing them back to like a life of crime because you have to come up with this money or you going back to jail. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know too many people that got trust funds and, you know, that this got money just stored up somewhere. Mm-hmm. You know, you coming from a six, to eight month stint. You can just pay three hundred and fifty dollars just out the blue. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Now, Mike. Hearing Jocelyn's story, and I know you're familiar with it, but is this fairly typical, what she outlines here in terms of you guys post the bail or post the bond for mm-hmm. her bail, and they still want her to yes. have to come up with yeah. this electronic monitoring yes. money? Yes. In fact, I think it's, there's been an increase as a result of the work in bail reform happening around the country, specifically. But now they're turning well. to this. Now they're turning to electronic monitoring because they view it as an alternative. But what we have found with the almost 3,000 people that we post the bail for, over 90% of those people have returned back to court without their money being on the line. Hmm. Jocelyn, would you have returned to court if you had you didn't have this monitoring and you didn't have money on the line? Would you have still showed up for those court dates? Of course I was still going to show up for it. Why not? You mm-hmm. understand what I'm saying? I'm, it's giving me a chance to fight it from the outside. I don't want to run. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want to have this stuck over my head, you know, for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm... Don't I guess it's safe to say nobody wants to live looking over their shoulder like yes. mm-hmm. you know. So yeah, I would have definitely went back with without mm-hmm. this. And my thing about the EMAS thing, let me just say this. For that to be in a sentencing alternative, mm-hmm. uh oh my God, I just went blank. You lost your <laughs> time. <laughs> but, but you feel like but, this is not that, a good sentencing no, alternative. It's, it's 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 really not. Mm-hmm. It's not because it's not helping anyone. Mm-hmm. Well, Jocelyn Garner, I want to thank you so much for sharing your story today. We actually have a third guest who's who's ready to join us right now, um, who's going to answer some questions about how this works in the city and, and hopefully speak to some of these concerns that you've outlined here. So thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, and just a reminder for those just tuning in, we're talking to Mike Milton. He's the St. Louis site manager for the Bail Project. And we just heard from Jocelyn Garner, who's a, a St. Louis resident who's found out what it's like to, to try to deal with these EMAS conditions. Mm-hmm. And we're joined now by Judge Rex Burleson. He's the presiding judge of the 22nd Judicial Circuit of Missouri, and he joins us by phone. So, Judge Burleson, thank you for making the time to to be here today. Uh, Thank you, Sarah, and thank you for uh, asking me to call in on this uh, important discussion here today. Yeah, Judge Burleson, I did want to start with asking, um, how do judges in the city decide who should use EMAS versus who's just free to go and and need to report back for their court dates? Sure. Well, Sarah, if I could first... Uh, address Mr. Milton's um, some of the things that Mr. Milton uh, mentioned because they're they're frankly not true. Uh, he says sure. he says that uh, the indigent are required to po- to uh, put up fifty dollars access uh, for installment of GPS and pay three fifty a month. That is not true since last July. Since last July, two hundred and twenty. Um, defendants have been provided GPS free of charge, the installation, and the monthly through a grant that has uh, was uh, um, secured by uh, the Jimmy Edwards, the director of public safety for the city. And so, w- when he when he says that uh, this is going on, and I think his words were fairly typical. That is untrue. Well, so when you say those 220 people, um, is that pretty much everybody in the system who'd be using EMAS, or is that a smaller percentage of it? What it is is at the uh, initial 
uh, hearing, which takes place within 48 hours of arrest, a judge uh, looks at the financial capabilities of the uh, detainee or the defendant. And if, if the judge determines that they're indigent, then and uh, the judge further determines that a GPS uh, monitoring is indicated, then he'll put on that order that he deter- he or she, the judge, determines that they're indigent. And when that order is given to the private uh, service provider, in this case EMAS, then um, they, they fit and they monitor free of charge to that indigent defendant. They bill the circuit monthly. And that bill is paid through a uh, through the grant that uh, Director Edwards has uh, has secured. So is that happening? All the judges are routinely um, trying to to sort out these indigent defendants so that they can be put in that pool, or is that up to the individual judge to uh, no. assertively do that? What what we created as of last July is a uh, system. It's called uh, Division 16B. Mm-hmm. And we have 17 different judges throughout the year rotate through on a weekly basis through that division. And that is the only source of bond setting um, within the four, first 48 hours after, incars- after someone has been arrested um, on a warrant that a bond has been set normally by a duty judge. So it's the judge, judge the weekly judge that rotates through there that will make the through that 16B that will make a determination on indigency, and with that determination, they the uh, the detainee or the defendant, if if it's uh, uh, the judge's decision that uh, GPS is indicated, then that's they're fitted and then that that's free. And I think it's unfair for the bond project to to uh, say that that uh, that this. Fifty dollars and three fifty a month, or three hundred a month, carrying forward is what's going on because it's frankly untrue since last July. Well, I want to go back to, to Mike here. Um, Mike, have you noticed a change since last July? I have. Uh, I've noticed several things. One of the things that I've noticed is that there's more of a consideration, and I think that was a response to the letter that the Bell Project, our city defenders, ACLU, have all made in order to make awareness of this emails change. Because right? you guys did come out swinging against exactly. EMAS more exactly. than a year ago. Exactly. So I, I mean, credit to Judge Burleson and the committee, the CJCC committee, who who really considered the letter. Um, but really, what we're still seeing, right? Like, one, I have several questions. One, what is the method and assessment in which we can determine the person's ability to pay, right? Um, and then, <laughs> you know, that's a that's a major fact, right? Because we because in 16b, who's taking a uh, t- taking into account that the fact that act, the person can actually can afford this, right? So that's number one. The number two, we're still seeing clients, even not even just in St. Louis City, but across the region, St. Charles County, which is the largest um, like distributor of this, um, St. St. Louis County, who have several different methods, right? But also St. Louis City, where we're still posting bail for people and still have to figure out a way to advocate for them for that to be free. So yes, we have seen some changes, but what we need to see is a complete di- di- diversion away from using these systems because this is still people who are presumed innocent under the law, right? Judge Brown- Listen, I'd, I'd love your response to this. I mean, do you feel like EMAS um, is important? If we can find a way to make it work for indigent de- defendants, does does that take away any concerns for you? This is a good system, or do you also have some bigger picture concerns? Well, we first start off uh, when Missouri decided to, in the 90s, to uh, not to monitor uh, probationers, 
and it's hardly ever been a, a the uh, process. There has hardly ever been a process out there to uh, for private uh, monitoring of those who are waiting for trial. So the ability to get the, a private service to do this uh, um, monitoring and thus allowing um, victims of crimes to feel better. Uh, when they know that uh, the person alleged to have committed a crime upon them is is being released, although with some type of monitoring, um, that gives them some some satisfaction in a situation where a judge feels that the defendant shouldn't be kept without bond. Um, so yeah, I think private uh, services is that is such as EMAS do. Um, um, provide a, a, a good dimensional service to the courts. Mm-hmm. And I know that judges uh, in the 22nd Circuit are satisfied with the services um, uh, generally that uh, are being provided. Now, your former colleague, Robert Dierker, uh, told the New York Times, every judge's fear is to let somebody out on reconnaissance and he commits murder. And then everyone asks, how in the hell was this person let out? With GPS, you can say, well, I have him on GPS. What else can I do? Mm-hmm. Do you feel like that's maybe a common attitude among judges in the city? Well, that's a common attitude, uh of judges in the city, and and it's a very, very common attitude on judges who face election every four or six years sure. in the in in the the uh, circuits that are uh, not under the Missouri plan. Mm-hmm. So, um, Sarah, when you when a judge sits in the courtroom and has a victim and the victim's family in the courtroom at a bond hearing, and uh, hears their side. And also, here's the defendant, uh, and and considers the charges, and hears that the and understands the rights of the defendant, um, as uh, uh, as was mentioned uh, uh, earlier, that the defendant is presumed innocent and has some very important rights. Mm-hmm. So there has to be something there in the middle that uh, that uh, is available for a judge to do, rather than. Uh, following exactly what the victim wants, and that is for the defendant to stay in jail and following what the law may very well uh, uh, demand for the, de- for the defendant in and, uh, and exercising the defendant's rights. So, uh, you know, sorry. You know, so the, well, the use of GPS uh, for someone that uh, is, has not been proven to be uh, guilty and uh, needs to get to his or her job, um, and um, it gives uh, again it gives some satisfaction to the victim that there is at least something going on that they can maybe sleep easier at night. I wanted to let uh, Mike respond here in a sec, but I did just have one quick question for you first. Mm-hmm. I know St. Louis County's presiding judge issued an administrative order earlier this month, and it said that defendants released pretrial uh, needed to enroll in a smartphone program called eHawk. And my understanding sure. is that eHawk is free. Is, is that something that um, you guys would look at instead of eMass going forward, or does that not provide all the the things that you need from eMass? Well, there's some variations of that program. That program is something that that uh, that defendants can uh, access that will give them uh, notice of their court dates. Um, but um, but it doesn't uh, include the GPS. 
Um, well, the, the the other aspect of that is whether or not uh, um, you have software on facial recognition, which is being looked at right now mm-hmm. uh, as a possibility, rather than reporting um, to a private uh, service or reporting to a court on a pr- predictable basis, that uh, your appearance can be received through facial, facial recognition uh, software, and that's that's being looked at. In fact, that's part of the the uh, uh, conference I'm at right now. Okay, so that could be a, a move in a good direction, save people those visits, which I know it's hard to hold a job when you have to constantly check in. Mike, I know you wanted to speak to a couple sure. things Judge said. Yeah, I think that, you know, we're, you're, we're really in a moment in time where uh, across the country, what we've seen with, with the bail project being in 22 different jurisdictions is that there's actually a, a, a solvable alternative to all of these things, which is an adequate pretrial service that is community-led and community-centered who can assess the needs after the person has been arrested, help help connect them to the needs that they need, that they had, also provide text messaging reminders and transportation. And that's just that's what the Bail Project does. So for us to have put up numbers like 90% of the people return back to court and all and we and all that we have done is provide spent thirteen thousand dollars on transportation in the last two years, spent eighty-seven dollars a year on text messaging reminder tools. This is a very easy problem to solve if we just reinvest that money that we that we put into these cultural systems and into our actual pretrial service that actually help people and, and provide the need under the guise that they are innocent under the the law. Judge Burleson, last question here. Do you think uh, setting up a, a robust pretrial services division would solve both the concerns of the judges and, and maybe eliminate the need for things like emails? Well, and once again, uh, I'm sure that uh, the bail project, bail project is aware that we have hired uh, two pre-tri- additional pretrial service employees uh, since the, the first of this year, I think they both come on. Came on in February. Mm-hmm. One is a uh, a PhD level um, uh, employee that uh, tries to hook up uh, available services that are contoured to the needs of the defendant, and the other is a uh, is a pretrial service officer who meets with the rec- the newly uh, arrested, and that has allowed us. To, we now have uh, the ability to bond out 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So we have a robust pretrial services. And, and in this moment in time, yes, there is the, the, the opportunity to get this right, but it only gets right, and this moment in time is only best served by accurate information. Mm-hmm. And... and, and uh, um, I believe what we what I've suggested during this call shows what the accurate information uh, is that is actually going on in the 22nd Judicial Circuit. Well, we do want to thank you for your time today. Unfortunately, we're out of time. I know there's other things uh, Mike would, would probably love to say here, but um, Presiding Judge Rex Burleson, thank you for joining us. And Mike Milton, Site Manager of the Bail Project, thank you for being here thank today. You. Thanks, Chair. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. 
Details at choosewood.com.